0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it! A few summers ago, I typed uh, these words onto my computer, Pentecost, real, question mark. And... Uh, last week we said regarding the Holy Spirit and his gifts that there are two predominant positions. One is what's called continuationism or a continuationist, and the other is cessationism or cessationist. So a continuationist we believe that the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit continue and have not ceased as the Spirit still works through the, through gifts such as prophecy, words of knowledge, tongues, healings, in various ways, cessationists believe that the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased when the apostles died. And Pastor Mark Driscoll says this regarding cessationism. Cessationism sees the abuses of spiritual gifts and in an effort to, pre- to prevent error, sometimes overreact by negating the spiritual gift altogether. Cessationists often point to such things as spiritual excesses, unfulfilled prophecies, abuses of spiritual authority, and a preference for new revelation over scripture. And then he goes on to say this, but the abuse of a gift should not negate the use of a gift. I think we could all agree that we've seen some abuses and misuses of spiritual gifts. This brings me back to the question that I typed a few summers ago. Pentecost, is it real? Clearly, I believe that it is. And I shared some personal testimonies last week of things that I've personally witnessed. I've seen too much and experienced too much in my own life, seen it with my own eyes to ever fall into the cessationist camp. But yet the wrestling of the question still remains at times. And for me, I don't think that I'm alone in this. I think it's partially because, again, going back to the abuses and misuses, it's partially because of these abuses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not hard to find the fringe side of anything in today's culture. Gone are the days of being balanced or in the middle. Gone are the days of give and take and compromise. And unfortunately, these extreme one side or the other views have made their way into the church. Now, please hear my heart. I mean no disrespect by the following examples. But unfortunately, what I'm about to say is not hyperbole. Everything from late night infomercials to high profile church leaders using the name of the Holy Spirit to justify craziness. We have evangelists that are targeting the poor and the unemployed. If you'll just purchase this water from the Jordan River that's been anointed and prayed over, then God will send abundant financial resources to you. You're out of money. It's okay. Put it on a credit card. God will bless you. It's a good idea. Let's let's purchase water or sand that was supposed to come from the Holy Land at 24% interest and ask God to bless us financially. We have people calling on angels from other countries and continents to come and intervene in our own political woes. Pastors literally calling down curses on people who voted differently than them. See, the problem we have in the church is that people are hurting and broken and they're desperate for a genuine touch from the God, from God. And so because of that, they'll try anything. When you're desperate, you do things you wouldn't normally do. And you'll accept things as truth that aren't really truth. And the reason we don't know it's truth is because we don't know what his word says. Mark chapter 11, verse 15 to 17. Jesus, uh, this is pretty famous. I'm just going to read it. Mark 11 Beginning at verse 15, he says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, It is not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Look, the religious leaders had set up a system to exchange foreign money so that people could pay the temple tax. They had elevated personal gain above all else. Let me overcharge you a fee to exchange your foreign money into local currency, and then let me also get your money for the temple tax. Then you can pay with that money that I will overcharge you to to exchange. But I want us to look again at verse 15. What were they selling? It says, He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Look, a dove, as we know, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that this is a historical account of something that actually happened in the life of Jesus. But I think it's no accident that it specifically says that they were selling doves. Haven't we done the same thing in our modern Western culture? We've prostituted the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, a man tried to purchase the Holy Spirit. and For time's sake, we won't read the entire story, although we will come back to this passage throughout this series as we talk about the Holy Spirit. But when he began to try to purchase the Holy Spirit, Peter rebuked him harshly. And we read his response in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 20. Peter answered, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. This man's name was Simon. They called him Simon the sorcerer. And my fear is, is that we become like Simon the sorcerer, quoting Peter. Our hearts are not right before the Lord, but instead they're full of wickedness and bitterness and captive to sin. Look, there's no wonder why people are questioning the validity of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because we're attempting to buy and sell the Holy Spirit and his gifts just like they were doing when Jesus flipped over the tables in the temple. So what happens is in an effort to not be associated with those who are misusing the Holy Spirit for personal gain, churches and leaders have distanced themselves from anything that might connect them to the chaos. Now, I said last week, we'd, um, we've talked about the Holy Spirit a lot throughout our four plus year existence We've only done one series on it, and on him, and that was about three years ago. And I remember the angst that I felt bringing a series on the Holy Spirit because our church at that time was more diverse, I think, than even it is now. Even last week, I asked how many of you have had a negative experience with you know, the Holy Spirit. Not many hands went up, but three years ago, lots of hands went up. And I think that what's happened is, is one, people that have had negative experiences have found some balance. Inside of everyday church, that's part part of what's happening. I'm getting I'm I'm, I'm way off my notes. I'm just kind of. <laughs> yeah, all right. I think that what God wants to do in our midst is bring back a balanced biblical view of what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing, yeah. yes. and it's uncomfortable. There were people in the room, I know, that a few moments ago you were uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. Because when people start popping up, again, like whack-a-mole, and you're like, I don't know what this person's <laughs> going to say. And you're like, you don't know. But thankfully, going back to what I said earlier, we have to have a heart of grace. Because I'm teaching you and saying we have to have grace. If somebody stands up and says some kind of harebrained thing, and everybody goes, oh, that was weird. Yeah. It was probably weird, but we deal with that. We give grace and people know that, you know, there was a mistake that was made there because we have to come back to a biblical, a biblical view of the Holy Spirit and his gifts, not some wild harebrained just because it's on TV means it's the Holy Spirit. That's why I love the quote from Mark Driscoll that the abuse or the misuse of a gift does not negate the use of a gift. It's not time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's time for us to press in. It's time for us to renew our minds regarding the Holy Spirit, to renovate the way that we think about the Holy Spirit. And that's why I challenged you last week to know what you believe and why you believe it. Because there should be scripture to back up what's happening inside of your life And as we walk through those seasons, listen, when when God begins to reveal himself, it's not always comfortable. Repentance is not fun and it's not comfortable. The things we've been talking about with renewing our minds and digging deep and going back to past hurts, that's not comfortable, it's painful. But in charismatic Pentecostal churches, we're more interested in having an emotional experience than doing the hard work of digging into our emotions and getting God inside of them to fix the things that have been damaged and hurt. Remember the words of Jesus, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And you do many things like that. You can find that in Mark chapter 7, 8 and 9 and verse 13. We often nullify the word and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we're relying on the tradition of of men instead of on him. And let me give you an example. You know, obviously I had no idea that God was going to show up in such a powerful way today, so this was based on last week, but it could just as easily be based on this week. We've already talked about, again, how God moved last week. He moved this week. It was a powerful moment. But that was just a few of countless ways that the Holy Spirit is capable of moving. But if we're not careful, we can elevate the method that the Holy Spirit uses We can move that into such a place that we dismiss other gifts that he might want to display. And when that happens, we create traditions of men. Oh, well, in our church, the Holy Spirit does this. Oh, in our church, the Holy Spirit moves this way. And again, I'm not trying to diminish diminish anything that God did last week, did this week, even things that were similar. I just want us to see a real-time example of how traditions of men can easily develop. And I think there are a lot of factors that go into how the Holy Spirit chooses to use uh, his gifts or how he chooses to move in a service. I mean, last week wasn't the first time. It's, it wasn't the last time. It probably, probably won't be the last time that he moves in a way that he did. Why? Well, for starters, part of my anointing is in the musical realm of things. So he steps, you know, he's He's the one that gave me that. That's a gift and anointing that he gave me. He's And he's putting people around us And around me to help facilitate that same thing. So it's not crazy to think that he's going to move in the music. He's going to do that. But if we elevate the music and that method and and say that's how he moves in everyday church. And we close out other methods that he or other gifts. Maybe the method is not the right word. We close out other gifts that he would like to manifest. Then we close the door on what he really wants to do. And then we eliminate ourselves from receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In his book, The God Chasers, author Tommy Tenney said this to the local, about the local church, that they are like bakeries with no bread. And when people come in hungry, they find no food, just the smell of what once was. Look, I've been saying for years that there's a disconnect between the Holy Spirit that we see in the early church, that we read about in the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit that we see in the modern church. But how do we bridge the gap between these two sides of the same coin? How do we bring the true power of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and all through the book of Acts? How do we bring that Pentecostal power back to the modern church and into our lives? And then at the same time, dispel the fears and the misconceptions and the misuses and the abuses of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the reality is, is that the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2 is only part of the story. And this is a reiteration from last week. But the first thing that we have to do is come back to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Too often we're interested in the power and the gifts and the goosebumps and the emotions, but we neglect the relationship. How many of you have ever felt or been used in a relationship? That's not fun. Someone only wants to be your friend because of what you have to offer them. They're not interested in the real you or your desires or your pain. Yet we often do the same thing to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a power or a force that we access to do supernatural things. He's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I mean, one of the most famous passages where we see the Trinity is in Luke chapter 3. When Jesus was water baptized, Luke chapter 3, 21, it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily in bodily form like a dove. Again, you see this dove, Holy Spirit correlation. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son with whom I love and with you I am well pleased. We see all three. Manifested in the same place. You can read and see the Trinity all through Scripture if you look for it. Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The Father speaks from heaven. I love what Pastor Robert Moore says in his book, The God I Never Knew. He says, the Holy Spirit is God in one of his three persons. Treating him as some sort of heavenly afterthought or lower order of supernatural being that we can choose to ignore is grievous. See, the witness of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is a full and equal member of the Trinity. Look briefly, going back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And you've kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. I'm not going to go into the whole context of what's happening here. But I want, what I want you to see is that Peter said, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, he says, you didn't just lie to humans. You lied to God. Making this connection that the Holy Spirit is equal to. He is with. He's part of the Trinity. We can't just put him in some kind of subset of, oh, he's just whatever. Oh, he's just, just to make me feel good. Oh, he's just to... Notice the language he uses. You lied to the Spirit, you lied to God. Why is this so important? Because if we view the Holy Spirit only as a force or a power or an it, then we'll never develop a proper relationship with Him. It's easy for us to acknowledge in our minds that the Holy Spirit is God, but to display a very different belief in our actions and attitudes. When we were a kid, we used to sing the song at, at Calvary. I was thinking about it yesterday, but I can't remember the words. But it started off, it says, Father, I love you. So I lay my life before you. I lay my life before you, how I love you. And then it would say, Jesus, I love you. I lay my life before you, how I love you. And then it would say, Spirit. And I remember as a kid, not getting it. And I think it's because, and I said this last week, that we have a natural picture of what a father and son looks like. And we have, I can, I can, I can visualize that. I understand father. I understand son. But Holy Spirit's outside of my natural way of thinking and it brings confusion and it's, it's hard. And so we've somehow put him in this less than category. But scripture clearly says he's God. Last week I gave you a list of some of the words that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit. And today I want to give you those supporting verses quickly. So how does Jesus describe the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 14, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Again, you see the Trinity here. Jesus is talking. He said, I'm going to pray to the Father and he's going to send the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. But the advocate, what I'm trying to point out is the words that Jesus uses to describe. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. He's our teacher he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, we see the Trinity here. Another word for advocate here is helper. The Greek word is parakletos. Parakletos means this summoned or called to one side, especially called to one's aid. How many of you could use a little help every now and then? That's the role of the Holy Spirit, is to come alongside of us and help us. Another part of that definition is one who pleads another's case or cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, a legal assistant, or an advocate. You may be saying, I didn't even know I needed a a lawyer. I didn't know I was on trial. Revelation chapter 12, Satan is described as the accuser of our brothers and sisters. And it goes on to say that he accuses them or accuses us before our God day and night. Every single day and night, Satan is going before God and he's bringing accusations against you and against me. And some of those accusations are actually true. We are guilty. We are sinners. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we treat our spouse the wrong way. We lose our tempers. We're short with our kids. We're selfish. We do things that we're not supposed to do. And the enemy the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, stands before God, accusing us of all of the things that we've said and that, that we've done. Look, and I know I've said this before. I've used this example. But to me, this is like a scene out of a movie. How many of you love movies? <laughs> Man, I love movies. It's like my happy place. Adrian and I, Aubrey, Katie too, but she's always is selfless and watches the babies so I can go with the older kids. But man, we love the movies. This is my happy place. And maybe that's why I get such a great picture out of this. But I love this. This is like a scene out of a movie when all hope seems to be lost. It's an open and shut case. There's nothing left to be said. We cannot defend ourselves. And just when we think it can't get any worse, Satan begins to ask for the death penalty. These people are deserving of death. Remember, Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death, and so it's within His right to ask for that. We deserve death because of our sin. And as Satan accuses us before the Father, that's what we're deserving of. And we're standing there in that courtroom full of shame and guilt and hopelessness and despair, and God the Father has no choice but to bang the gavel and declare us guilty. But it's in that very moment that I just envision the back doors of the courtroom flinging open and in walks our advocate, in walks our attorney, our helper, the Holy Spirit. And he says, hold on just a minute. I understand that you're requesting the death penalty for my client, but here's the thing, his penalty, her penalty has already been paid. It's a little over 2,000 years ago. A man named Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect life with no sin. And he willingly laid down his life so that you and I could live. He took the penalty of every sin that we've ever committed and ever will will commit. There's nothing that you've ever done or will do that can separate you from how much God loves you. Come on, that's a good place to give him praise. One of the third definitions for advocate is an intercessor. And that's a person who intervenes on behalf of someone else, especially through prayer. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. That should give you some encouragement. God himself, the Holy Spirit is praying for you and for me. Back to the verse. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as our teacher. He's our peace. He says that He will remind you of everything that I've said to you. He reminds us of all the things that God has said about us. Going back a few weeks ago when we were talking about rewriting our ungodly beliefs and the scripts that have become a part of who we are those scripts that say, I'm not good enough and I'm a failure. I'll never accomplish anything. I'm just a victim. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a horrible father. I'm a terrible employee. No one loves me because I am unlovable. It's the Holy Spirit that steps in and reminds us of what God has said about us, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are victorious, that you're more than a conqueror, that God is for you and not against you, that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And that's that's my life verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We say that along with the list of confessions with the boys every night. Sometimes Ben says, Dad, I'm too tired to say it. And I just say it over him. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. God prepared works in advance for you to do. You're not just here aimlessly with no purpose, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. I just feel that in my spirit. Just, there are a lot of people sitting in the room today that are like, I don't know what I'm here for. Unfortunately, I don't have a word from the Lord to tell you what you're here for. But I wanna remind you that you do have a purpose. Right. Amen. Let's keep moving, John chapter 15. Verse 26, this is when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Listen, and this is very important. The Holy Spirit always makes much of Jesus. But here's the problem in a lot of charismatic Pentecostal circles. Because the Holy Spirit always makes much much of Jesus, but people tend to make much of gifts and the people who use them. The Holy Spirit's not here to elevate ourselves. That's right. Look, I understand it's human nature. When God begins to move in through a man, through a vessel that, that's been yielded, that yields itself to, to God and to the Holy Spirit, God begins to use it. People, again, we're so hungry and desperate for a touch from the Lord that we just, will chase anything and anybody. And I, I don't want to diminish the gifts of other people leaders and say well you shouldn't go hear that preacher because you're just chasing the gift and not the giver that that's not what i'm saying there has to be a balance where we understand that we're chasing the giver not the gift john 16 7 but i tell you the truth it's for your good that i'm going away Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. This is important because Jesus, who was fully God, left heaven to become fully man. He was tempted like we are. He got tired like we do. He got hungry and thirsty. He laughed and he cried. He was constrained just as we are from being in one pl- only being in one place at one time. But he said, it's good that I'm going away. That way I can send the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible tells us that the the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. We now have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. This means that instead of Jesus being, when he was in his bodily human form, instead of Jesus being only one man capable of being in only one place, we now have billions of Christ followers around the world that have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. That's why being Christ-like is so important. We are a representation of who Jesus was and is on the earth. John 16, 12. This is coming out a lot harsher than I thought it was going to. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will testify. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, when we learn to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He guides us into all all truth. Have you ever been about to make a deal of some kind, but something just felt off? Nobody, everybody just makes great yeah. deals. I don't. Know. No. Hey, you can come play when we wrap this up in just a second. You know, as you most of you know, our car on, on our anniversary service broke down, transmission went out. It was it was gonna be sixty six hundred dollars to fix it. <clears throat> and Lewis and some of the leaders of the church, Pastor David and others just they got together and you guys were so generous. You took up an offering and you helped us to kind of bridge the gap between all of that. And in, in that process, man, we were searching for you know two weeks online, internet. This is not really that great of a story, so just relax. <laughs> but we go. We Katie and I were scheduled to go to Tampa for a pastors' conference, and I had found a van, um, a Chrysler Pacifica. Man, it looked nice online, and um, <clears throat> we didn't really want a van, but we're like, if we get a van, that's the one we want. It's just, you know, tinted windows and black wheels, and it was black. and It was just mm-hmm. like, you know. So we go down. And we already had financing through our, our credit union, so in my mind, I'm like, "This is easy, this is easy for a dealership, right? It's just a cash deal, pretty much. We're gonna walk in, give them the paper from our bank. We don't. We can skip all of that. Let's just just give me the car. Here's your money, right? And we go in. Well, before that, they're like, "We don't take bank drafts." I was like, "What do you mean you take bank drafts? Like, why is?" This? So we work through a whole situation through that. Ended up using their financing, you know, to use our bank. So I was like, okay, whatever. I get it. You get a kickback for using that. I understand. So we get there, and I guess they thought it was a done done deal. We hadn't even seen the car. I hadn't even looked at it in person. This guy comes out, and he's real disheveled. He was, you know, no offense to my 20-year-olds, but he was like 20 years old. His shirt was clearly laying in the bottom of the basket for a while. He comes out to greet us, getting paperwork out. And I was like, dude, we haven't even seen the car. And so I'd well I'd already I went to the restroom because it was, you know, we drove for two hours to get there. I texted Katie, I was like, I don't feel good about this. Already I was feeling not good. And then I met, then when I walked out, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, This kid doesn't know anything. And uh <clears throat> He just starts, you know, I used to be the number one salesman, but I left to start my own company and I just came back and I'm the number one salesman on the floor and I'm such and such as right hand man. And I started my own company and I deal with high end uh, vehicles. Uh, I'm a broker for Lamborghini and Ferrari. And he starts listing all of the $100,000 cars. And I'm like, why are you working at a Ford dealership? Like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on in here. Uh, you know, and I just don't feel good about it. I mean, probably didn't take the Holy Spirit to not feel good about this situation. But the point I'm trying to make is sometimes when you're in the middle of something, the Holy Spirit, He reveals things to you. It went, it went way worse. We, got, we go out, we get in the car, we're going we're gonna to test drive it. Katie said, she's like, I feel like I was going to be pranked. I was waiting on Ashton Kutcher to jump out and be like, hey! You got punks, now you get a free van! Like, I, I sit in I sit in, the, in the front seat, and the kid gets in, and he pushes some button, and my seat starts going, like, it's pushing me all the way. He didn't know what he did. He's holding the back of the seat going, no, 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 no. He's trying to hold the seat to keep me, and you know, I'm not, I'm a pretty big guy, so I'm just like a steering wheel. I'm just sitting here like this, and i was like... Driving down the road, there's a check engine light on. I start asking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. I was like, oh, ah. right. Like, <laughs> and if you don't know this about me, I, I, um, I have, I guess I'm just colorblind. I don't know. I have trouble with certain colors. Like, it's a wonder I'm, my clothes match. Um, but like yellows and greens, I don't know if anybody else struggles with that. Uh, reds and greens sometimes blur together. So I couldn't tell what color the warning light was on the dash. And I was thinking, what color is this? So I was just like, he was like, no, it's fine. He keeps telling us it's fine. And I was like, doesn't this mean that this, he's like, that just goes to this. And I know you don't understand what I'm saying. I didn't, I'm just trying to, I I didn't understand what he was saying either. Finally, I was like, doesn't this mean that this part of the car is not working? He was like, yes, but you don't really need that part to work. (laughs) Katie's texting me. I can see my phone she, because we were like, we need a signal to get out of here. I was like, just turn your ringer on. I'll call you and we'll say, hey, we got to go check on our kids. We're going to get out of here. So She's texting me. The car, my phone's in the cup holder. She's like, let's get out of here. We get back to the dealership. So this story's taking way longer than I wanted to. But you're in now. We might as well finish it. Right. Where it's almost done. We get back. And I was like, hey, I need, you take these keys and I need to just a minute to talk to my wife by, by myself. And he was like, you know, he seemed offended and shocked. He's like, okay, yeah, no problem, man. I'll just go in and I'll wait for you at the desk and you can, we'll come in, we'll finish everything up. I was like, finish everything up. Katie okay, was like, let's go. And I was like, I'm going to go in and tell him that we're not going to do the deal. She's like, no, let's get in the car and go. And I was like, I'm going to tell him. So I started to walk in. He wasn't at his desk. He was watching us through the window. He opens it back up, and I was like, "Look, man, we're just not interested." And he's like, "Man, can you just come in and talk to my manager?" And I was like, "I'm certainly not doing that." And so he's like, "Yeah, just come in and talk to my manager." I was like, "No, I don't want to talk to your manager, man. Please, I'm gonna get in trouble. Okay, just come in." I said, "You're not gonna get in trouble. Just tell him that we don't want the car. How about can you just call him? He's dialing his manager on the phone. Can you just talk to him on the phone for me?" I was like, "Dude, go to your Lamborghini dealership and make some money. I don't know. I'm not your not. You know what I mean? So I'm like." I was like, no, I'm not doing that. We leave. We we'll go get in the car. We were driving in my mom's car, which, you know, when you're in a new car, you're unfamiliar with things. And I don't know what I was trying to adjust. You know, should have just peeled out like the Dukes of Hazzard. But I got in and I was just tweaking some things and out comes the manager. Just, I'm sitting in my car with the car in her car, my mom's car, with the car in reverse. And he's just looking at me out my window. And I'm like, bro, we don't want to buy a car from you. Was there anything? Did, did I forget? Zach, does Zach do anything wrong? Like, what's going on? I was like, bro. All right, sorry. That was a very long story. It started. The reason I told the story to begin with was to say, well, it's your fault. Okay, first of all, because I said, I said, how many of you have ever tried to make a deal and then it didn't? It felt off, and everybody was like, if you would have said yes, amen, then we could have bypassed that whole 10-minute episode that I'm probably going to have to edit out for the YouTube video now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the point that I was trying to make, this is a way longer point than I wanted to make, is he will guide you into all truth. Everybody say amen. All right then. Well... You know, see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Because I told you, it was coming out heavier than I wanted it to. And sometimes we need a little laughter to help things go down. There's a spoonful of sugar, helps the medicine go down. And even though on the front end it came in just a little bit, probably you know, a little more stickier than I wanted it to, the Holy Spirit circled back around and said, you know what? Let's lighten the mood and let people digest what was just said. Amen. Only God could do that. So he says he will guide you in all truth. He says he will tell you things yet to come. Look, again, the Holy Spirit is able to reveal to you things that we couldn't have possibly known on our own. So Jesus, just in these few verses, you you know, dig in and you have to look for it yourself. But the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our counselor. He's our advocate, our attorney, our intercessor. Our teacher, our peace, our truth, our guide, our friend, our confidant. And the reason that I'm spending the front end of this series talking about who he is is because when we swing into that realm of the gifts and they begin to move, I understand that first of all, if you're not from a Pentecostal charismatic background, that can get uncomfortable. I get that. And again, being candid, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm the one in charge to make sure that nothing crazy happens. So there's some, with, there's some uncomfortableness with the moving of the Holy Spirit. I get that and I want to acknowledge that. But that's why I'm spending time saying he is a person and he wants relationship with you. He's your helper. He's your advocate. He's the person who guides us into truth. So rather than being afraid of what God might do through the moving of the Holy Spirit, let's embrace relationship with him Amen. so that we can have a full life. Again, quoting Pastor Robert Morris. And if, you, if you're a reader, man, this is a fantastic book called The God I Never Knew. I highly recommend it. I don't know how old it is, 10, 15 years. It's amazing. Uh, But I love this quote, and we've said it last week, we'll probably say it throughout this series. But he said, missing out on the gifts of the spirit is unfortunate. However, missing out on his friendship is tragic. Look, I don't know about you, but I want a relationship with him. I don't want to nullify or make his power ineffective in my life because I hold too tightly to the traditions of men. The more we understand about who the Holy Spirit is, the more we can love him. And I believe the more that we genuinely love him and stop using him just for his gifts, the more we'll actually experience his gifts. You know, our reference reference point for our Heavenly Father is often based on our earthly father. And even that's just a terrible example, you know. But even in my own life with my kids, and Emmett is not you're super excited about playing t ball. Emmett's our three-year-old, um, but he's out there with the big brother, and you know, so we have to bribe Emmett sometimes to do things. <laughs> so we were at Dollar Tree, and uh, or we were at Dollar Twenty Five Tree. I don't know if you've been there lately. <laughs> the first time you can get hot wheels cheaper at walmart than you can at dollar tree anyway they got an influx of hot wheels that i'd never seen and the boys have a small fortune invested and i was like "Ooh!" it was just like katie's like look that's enough dude it's 87 dollars like it wasn't that much so we get these hot wheels and she's like we'll use them tomorrow for the game so we're like hey you boys do a great job today you know specifically emmett if you'll go play we'll give you i don't know this is, don't take my parenting advice i don't know if this is good or not Bennett our older one is really into hot wheels monster trucks and um he's recently switched into monster jam monster trucks they're both about the same size just different companies and um so he got they all got rewards at the end they did a great job they played hard you know whatever and plus they didn't have to do anything I just wanted to give them something but at the end of the game we're hanging out on the back porch and um you know this is a beautiful day and Ben kept asking if he could go get a monster truck. Can I get a new monster truck today? I was like, I just gave you three Hot Wheels cars. But he wanted a monster truck. It finally got to the point, because he had already gotten new monster trucks from Mimi this week, and I think I might have got him one. I don't know, I have a problem. But he had had like three new monster trucks plus three new hot wheels all within a seven-day period and he's saying to me i want a new monster truck can we go get it and i said no And he's getting upset and i was like how about you give me his name's el toro loco i was like all right how about you give me el toro loco back and he's like okay so he gives me El toro. i was like how about you give me and start naming the cars and he starts giving them back to me because now he doesn't want them and i was like okay <laughs> all right so you think this makes me want to give you more gifts Katie gets up and tells the good stories. Oh, my kids are so great. And they did. (laughs) They're spoiled and it's my fault. I get it. But what I'm trying to say is, and again, this is a terrible analogy. Us, because earthly fathers, how can we even closely relate to who God is? But I'm saying in that moment, him, he didn't know he was using me. But him using me for monster trucks And not being thankful for what I had given him does not motivate me to release more gifts. I think we have a lot of churches. Man, it's not a bad bad way. Maybe a lot of people. And we're just seeking the gift. And after the gift, we're not interested. God, thank you for what you did a little while ago in our music and our worship. I've received what I need. And we leave and we never give Any more thought to the fact that he doesn't want to just visit us in a corporate setting. He wants relationship with us. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Would you stand on your feet just for a moment? And if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands one more time all across the room? And if you're one of those people that you're like me, you're saying, you know what I want? Whatever you got for me, God, I want it. You want a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with the Lord. Would you just throw up two hands and in your own words, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Holy Spirit, would you come and rain down on us, rain down on us. oh." Come on, if you want a deeper relationship with the Lord, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's going to be my words, but I want you to make them your words. You own them. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for the times that I've used you. Please forgive me. Fill my life. I want a new and fresh relationship with you. I want the giver, not just the gift. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.